longer occupied and liberated by the English, the eastern part where Vienna was and Rwanda and Hungary was occupied by the Russians. And that, we heard, was very bad. They were rough people. In the country, they all had hay barns and that sort of thing. In cellars, the girls were locked in, or the women, then they're hidden from anybody who'd come round. I'm Anne Dibbon. And I'm Julie Tattersall. I'm Bev Evans, and this is Unexpected Turns. What was it really like living under Nazi occupation? I've heard some stories from my mum and my Oma, but like last week's guest, Pat Barambani, they weren't really keen to talk about the war. So today, we're delighted that Karen and their mother's friend Anna have joined us. Anna was born and lived in Austria during the Nazi occupation and subsequent liberation by the British, and then came to London to work as an au pair in the swinging 60s, finally marrying and settling in Southampton and raising her own family. How are you today, Anna? How are you feeling? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's a lovely day here in Wales. And it's really hot, so um, I'm glad to come in now, sit down and have a chat with you. It'll be lovely. Oh, lovely. So you're in Wales? Yes, I am, Anna. Yes. Do you know Wales? Well, we had a so-called honeymoon in Cardiff. Ah, right. Okay, well, I'm about about 35 miles from Cardiff in um, a place called Abergavenny. Yes, well, sort of. same again. The name is familiar. We've been there. Right in the Brecon Beacons, lots of mountains. Yes, yeah. Lovely part of the world to live in. Yeah. But Anna, thank you very much for coming here. And Karen too. That's today. quite all right. I like to be called Anna, yes. But in England, everybody more or less calls you just Anne. Oh. You know. <laughs> ah. But lately, you know, they ask you your proper name and I say, well, it's Anna. But people call me Anne. So people stick to Anna and her voice suits me, whichever. <laughs> yes. It's pretty name, both Anna and Anne. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't got a second name. Okay, no. Because <laughs> that's how I'm going to be asked that very many times. You know, what's your second name? I haven't oh, got one. No, my son doesn't have a second name either. No. And she always feels like she missed out. <laughs> yeah. You've lived a very, very interesting life so far, Anna. So I wanted to ask you if we could take you right back yeah. to your early days if you could tell us a little bit about your childhood in Austria before the war. Right okay as I grew up we had a very happy childhood I didn't live in a in the town but we lived on the edge of our town and mother's relations all lived not far away in the country and of course my mother used to at one time when my father was ill in the hospital, she had to go out to work to keep us, because in those days there was nothing. And I used to spend every summer with my relations in the country, which I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the old mm. small holding and the own place and all that sort of thing. It's very, very nice, and I had cousins. That sort Did of you thing. have brothers and sisters? I did have a younger, I still got a younger sister, five years younger. But I was always sent to mother's relation. But she went to 
a friend of my mum's because she's five and she was very cute. <laughs> they all wanted, you know, that wanted her because they were elderly people and they adored her. Oh, wow. Where exactly was this? Well, the town is called Villach, spelled with a V, but pronounced as F, Villach. And that's about 30 kilometres away from Italy. And the nearest town, which was straight through, uh, was called Tarvis. Filler was just an ordinary little town, but a very important town because all the railway lines went from there, from there into Italy and Yugoslavia, or that way into Germany, or that way to Hungary. Ah. Yeah. Because all the railways, you know, started from there. A important hub then. Yes. Oh, yes. What did your parents do, Anna? Well, my mother was a professional cook, a chef, a very good one, so I hear. And in the summer, she always used to go cooking to the posh hotels that we had all around the lakes. Because mostly Austria was earning their money, not from industry. There was very little of that, but from tourism. In the summer, yes. You know, the lakes we had, the county I lived in, had about 16 lakes, plus the highest mountain in Austria is also there. Then we went right on the border to Italy and right the border to Yugoslavia. And the other side was um, at a Hungary and... The west side was uh, Czechoslovakia. Wow. When you went to stay with your relatives, that was quite nearby. Yes. I think it was about half an hour's drive in the car, you know, after the war. And I went home. My, son, my husband used to take me up there. Ah, oh, it sounds a really lovely place. Yes. And the other thing our town had on the edge, um, I was telling that to somebody else today, in the month of May... There was always a river that came in being and made a little lake or great big pond, a little lake that was warm water. Ah. So also in that part of the town, there were people coming for, you know, rheumatics and that sort of thing because there was water, thermal water. Oh, thermal water. Ah, yes, of course. You must have been surrounded by mountains then. So it would be the snow melting that had caused all that. Oh, yeah. That's right. The border between us and Italy was, you know, not far away. There were some very high mountains there. Yeah. And that was the border. Of course, same time after the war, where, you know, part of Yugoslavia then belonged to Austria or Germany. They wanted to come back into where we lived. But, you know, luckily, uh, the United Nations got involved and stopped them and drove them back. They said, well, no, you can't just take over. You know, simply walked in, well, drove in from Yugoslavia. So were you aware of all that happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was only a teenager. But as you said, the troops came and they even drove their tankers up there and got them back, got them out. So... That is after the war. Yes, after the war. And the exact same thing happened after the the first war, 1918. They also, same thing, but they weren't allowed to come in. So who drove them back in 2018? I don't know. 
know, went know. around then. In 2018, yeah. it was the Austrian partisan fight. That's my grandfather was in it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. For two years, there was a yeah a vote in nineteen twenty. That's right. I think United Nations got involved. The United Nations wasn't in existence then. It no. came about in forty six. Oh right! But well. uh, it was the Abwehrkämpfer. Oh right! Yeah. The men came back World War, and, and then, then they fought the Yugoslavs. Yeah. Anna, I, I'd like to ask you about the war. You were about about eleven when Germany invaded Austria. Ten. Ten. Yeah, ah. they came in. Hmm. Could you talk a little bit about how that affected you as a family and affected the town that you were living in? Well, I didn't know any different. All I can remember, my mother and you know, neighbours talking and they said, oh, it's all right. At least there was no fighting. There was no resistance. They let them come in. You know, they were from Germ the Germans taking Austria over. Did you have any so, did, did you have any inkling that this was going to happen or was it completely unexpected? Um I I don't really know. I don't really know. All I know is before that couple of years before um the prime minister we had was shot. That that was a bit of you know, concern. I heard him, you know, talking about it. When you're a child, you don't yeah. understand what. No. Yeah. So, what, how did you listen to the news that that was going on in the rest of Europe, Anna? Did you did you have a radio? Did you? No. Did your parents? Oh, no. We didn't no? have a radio until Herr Hitler came, and he <laughs> and every mother that had four or six children got a radio. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was in 1938? Um, bit later, bit later, yeah, I would say. But you only had two children in your family, so you didn't get a radio, is that right? Well, mother had, there were four, but the other two were already grown up. Mother had them long ago. We were, you know, latecomers. Oh, in see. fact, she had... She had six children, but one died, my dear little brother, I can remember. I must have been about four or five, he died. And the other one, one of her early children, drowned in the oh, winter dear. and the lake. Oh, how sad. You know, as kids do, they go out, don't realise the danger. No, sadly not. So, Anna, you had no older siblings that would have been fighting in the war. Yes, my two older brothers were there. Yeah, they were both in the war, 1914-16. I was born 28, so there was at least 14 years difference. Ah, right. But they'd left home because you were saying... Yes, oh, yeah. So yeah. you didn't... And they had their own families. You didn't really have anything yeah. very much to do with no. your two older brothers. No. So they fought, they fought in the war for the Germans yeah. in Austria, mm, I suppose. Mm, mm. Very different. That's right. Oh. So was German your language for speaking? Yes, yeah. See, so we speak the same language with a different accent. Yeah. That's the only thing. Just it's a different life. You say it was a different life during the war. You were saying your early childhood was very happy and it was different during the war. Yes. How was it different? Because you well, were in quite a remote area. So. Yes, but at the same time, I suppose the fear was there. 
be moved into the country with mother's relations and stayed there. Right. To get even further out of the town. Yeah. But then my father had died, so he wasn't considered at all. He wasn't about. No. So did you move quite quickly when it all started out to the country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Well, people were afraid, you know, you heard what was going on in Germany and all the, how can I say, all the planes that the bombers came out from Italy flew over us. But luckily they all went to Germany, Mm. except mother used to say, oh, if they had one or two bombs left over, they dropped. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing they tried hard where it was such an important rail connection into the other countries. They tried to get, we had a big river there and a big bridge across and the railways went across. So that was very important, but they never got the bridge as hard as they tried. Wow. Yeah, that was lucky. Yeah, that was lucky. And as you say, everybody was afraid. You know, it come to us, all the, well, a lot of the Germans were then uh, escaping from Germany and coming to Austria because Austria was very little, really bombed. I think maybe mm. Vienna, near Vienna. Yes. Yeah. But otherwise, no. Mm. Yeah. So you were quite protected, really, from a lot of the atrocities of war, yeah. living where you did in quite a rural area yes. with your relatives. Yeah. It was quite a peaceful existence, relatively. Yes, yeah. So did you have enough food and things like that? Uh, yes. It was a bit short at times, but we did have enough. After the war, it was a bit different because we were occupied by the troops and, of course, they more or less took everything. You know, we used to have... I uh, got our milk and butter and that sort of thing and cheese from special shops. Mm. Well, they took that mm. over. So, yeah. I suppose you can remember that better, the end of the war. I mean, did you know the end of the war was approaching? Did Were you aware that it was you were going to be liberated? Well, just really didn't understand it, but I know I heard my mother and, you know, all the neighbours, they all had sons in the war and talking about it. And especially once when they were saying, you know, they even jump out of the air to come down. Well, you know what that was, don't you? The parachute. Yeah. yeah. So, Anna, did your brothers survive the war? Yes. One was injured, but the other one escaped. I remember where they were fighting. Yes. One, the younger brother more or less spent his time in France Mm -hmm. and the other one was sent up to Norway because, again, he was in a special kind of regiment that was mountaineers. Did they have a choice about whether they signed up? No, no, not during the war. You were simply called up. As soon as you were 18, you were in the army. It's fascinating hearing... All of a well, it's the same when I hear what was going on over here because what did we know? Very little, you weren't supposed to listen to anything. But I remember, and I was out in the country with my relations about 10 o'clock at night, everything was locked up and darkened out, and they had the radio, and there was something, uh, you know, given the truth of what was going on. 
because Germans, all you got is propaganda. Oh, they're doing this and oh, they've done that and that sort of thing. Did you realise it was propaganda? Did you people realise no. that what they were saying wasn't quite true? I don't know. I totally don't know what they thought about it. Mm. Because, I mean, most of the things that were going, well, they knew what was going on because everybody had relations in the war, fighting or one way or the other. But did normal life carry on, like going to school? and Yes, in our place anyway, yeah. Except where we used to just go in the morning, I suppose, had to do with the teachers. Some of them had to go in the morning and others went in the afternoon because there were a lot of men teachers, weren't there? Yeah, I think. And the ladies all had to take it over. Right. You were invaded in 38. Yeah. And then you were liberated in 45. Yeah. So seven years later, so you would have been pretty close to 17, actually. Yeah, yeah. I was a teenager. Yeah, that's right. And do you remember much about that, what it was like when you were li- liberated? Was was it by the Russians? Uh, no, we were fortunate. We were occupied and liberated by the English. Part of was English, part France, and the eastern part where Vienna was and around there and Hungary was occupied by the Russians. And that, we heard, was very bad. Mm. They were uh, rough people. I used to say, perhaps your mum would remember that too, that in the, in the country they all had hay barns and that sort of thing in cellars. The girls were locked there, or the women, then they're hidden from anybody who'd come round. So the, the people who lived there would hide all their women yes, and girls? Yes, from, yeah, from the Russians. They didn't succeed all the time. No, no, they didn't. You're right there. Well, we've heard stories that came from what we call the Steiermark, you know. But where you were, it was very different. You were liberated by the English. Yeah. How was that? <laughs> I don't remember much about that. Well, so, uh, suddenly the war was finished and the yeah. troops arrived. And that was it. So did you have parties to celebrate? And... No, 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 no. You told me a story of when you were working in the office. Yeah. With the children, when the children were sent this way or that way. Do you remember that now? You were at the reception. Oh, yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. There was this policy from Hitler. That... Yeah. If there was any inheritance in, how can I say, in your family, children then were... Any what, sorry? Any? You know, if you had a, an illness, an inheritance, an right, inheritance, yes. you were sent to different places all right so and you were working in an office yes i was then working in uh well i suppose the health center so to speak the central thing and of course i was mm. in the office and i had to type the letter and send it off or take you know send them all off to different places and women that had um, any illness in the family they were all castrated or, no, you know, but that's the myth, yeah. So that that line ended. Yeah, that's right. And mm. it didn't mean much to me, you know, when you're yeah. youngster, you don't realise all that goes on. We weren't that well educated about that, yeah. Was that your first job, Anna? Yeah, it was the beginning. I wouldn't say it was my best one, no. Then the time came where the war ended 
and they used to say all oh, the juniors you know the girls had, were, were given notice and taken over by men that came back injured from the war you know right. they couldn't work anymore but they were trained yes retrained to work in the office women lost their jobs yeah them. that's right yeah or you were sent i mean i actually then was sent to uh, the center of the railway again it was lucky enough i was allowed to carry on in the office but most of them had to work in where the center was for the office for the railways you know where there were repairs and all that sort of thing they had to work there mm-hmm. so it was how old were you then anna let me see 20 well was it around this time that you met your husband no, it was after the war, uh, you know, once reoccupied by the British troops. I then had no job. Why didn't you have a job? That's because the, a man had come and taken yes, over that's your right. job. Yes, yeah. so think. you had a choice here, there, or wherever you got a job. I can remember going for a job. They sent me as a domestic, living right. domestic. I wasn't keen on that. No. So I went on then and never returned. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the family anyway. And I thought alone, oh, you, you know, you, you only be the maid. Didn't go no. very well. So I then went without a job for a little while. And of course, my mother got fed up with me and, and said, you don't get a job, you've been in trouble, and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and um, so I had a friend, an elderly friend. I went to live with her and she said, I'll get you a job. And I got a job with the British troops. Oh, <laughs> she worked oh. in our offices mess. She was in charge of everything. And I worked there for a little while. And of course, I got to know English people and, you know. Did you speak any English at this time? Yes, yeah. After that, I got to know about somebody and told me, you know, I love children. Yes. And that's what I've done then, to uh, looking after um, children, mostly, you know, English families. Although I could speak English, that's really where I improved my English with mm. the children. Your English is very, very good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was very happy and they were very happy with me. And from them, I came there. That's where I met my husband because he was a driver. The person I lived with, you know, looked after the children, he was, I can't remember the actual name exactly, tell me. He was the head of the church for the soldiers. General Padre, something they called him. Oh. And of course, he came to my family. He was an ex-priest. Of course, he was called up to be a priest for the army. But that person was the head of every, that sort of thing. And he then said to me one day, he said, oh, my mother would like someone like you. And I thought, well, yeah, I'd like to go to England to see what it's like. And that's where <laughs> I ended up. Wow. And, yeah, that was the end of that. So, so did th- you marry before you came to England? No, no. I came to England and done my job, first of all. And after a while, we got together and got married. So when he said my mother would like someone like you, yeah, he meant to look after the children no they had no children that padre just had his mother and a sister an elder elderly mother and a you know a younger sister 
and they lived in a lovely place in near Weymouth, and I very much enjoyed it being there because their daughter, uh, the you know the young lady there, she was very kind and very. In fact, she used to, you know, sometimes I'd give her English and um, German lessons. She said she'd been there too before the war in Austria. Um, you know, on holiday skiing and that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. So was your mother quite happy for you to come to England? Yes, actually she was, because she said, I'd be glad to see you go, because she said, there's going to be another war here with Yugoslavia, because, as I told you, they came over the mm-hmm. uh, unoccupied part of it, too. They were driven out. So she was glad to think you were going to be safer. Yes, that's right. Oh. Their home, which was a manor, was a rest home for the sailors because Portland isn't far away. Mm-hmm. And they used to be sent up there for, you know, recuperating. And she had a carpet down there, which was navy blue. And the old lady had white hair. Oh, and no. God help me if she found the white hair. I hadn't cleaned up properly. And another thing which I never forgave her, she left money, pennies, in the bed. And That's I thought, strange. well, why she would she take pennies in the bed and why would she lose him in there? In other words, she was trying out to see if I would take them. No, she didn't <laughs> trust him. Oh, gosh. I'm now. She's a funny woman. So you said this family had lived in Africa before. Mm. Yeah. And working over there, presumably, and came back to settle down near Wayne. Mm-hmm. Do I remember where in Africa? Did they say? No, I don't no, remember. I mean, they lived there. But there was just a, I think that was their home anyway, manor outside of Weymouth. Because not only where he was a priest, they also had a chapel, a church there. And the local from the village there used to go to church on a Sunday in that, in their church. Oh, gosh. Mm. Yeah. Where I grew up. In Netley, occasionally you used to go to the church in Bursledon, mm. and that belonged to the manor. There was a yeah. manor with a mm. chapel attached, yeah. which is interesting. So after you'd been there for a while, you'd been working for this lady. Yeah. How did you and her son get together then? Well, he was in the army in Austria. And in Austria, I was looking after an English family's children. And he used to come to tea to that family. Because that family, the father was also a priest in the army. So that's how they, because I, I met my husband there, but nothing serious, I just, you know, friendly sort of thing. Because he used to be the driver of the top man, Padre. He used to drive him up there to used to have afternoon tea. Of course, they had a great big kitchen where we were, living kitchen. And us, drivers or anybody who came to the house would go into the kitchen and now I met my husband came again and sat in the kitchen in those days you weren't very friendly towards the soldiers because if you did go out with a soldier or you know and the local lads found out you all had long hair plaits and that sort of thing they'd cut your hair off really oh, oh yeah yeah well you know that so uh, so you had to keep your distance at that point oh yeah you did yeah mm. but what impressed me then one day I was called away 
and mm. I was feeding, there was a little, nearly two years baby there, um, feeding him in the high chair. And when I came back, he was feeding the baby. <laughs> and I thought, we said, well, I've never seen that before, a man feeding the baby. Austria being very old fashioned, you know, that's a woman's job. Men didn't have nothing to do with the baby, with the children, yeah. So I thought, oh, well, it's quite nice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how it went. And then you came to England to work for his boss's mother. Yeah. And, well, she says she didn't be nice. But she said she she gave me my fare back, which was £25 in those days, a lot of money. Did you fly? Railway. If I stayed six months... I stayed six months and the old lady wouldn't give me my money. So when I asked her for it, I said, you said you would. She said, well, we had we waited for you two days in um, uh, London, uh, where was it Victoria? Oh, I forget. Victoria. Yeah. yeah. She said, uh, one of the um, fellas from a travel agent was meeting you. I thought, well, how would they know in any way? Mm. You know, and anyhow. So that so was a, no, I never got my money, never got my 25 pounds. And that must have been a lot of money. Yeah, at that time. I know. Yeah. So, where did you go next? From there, then I went into actual uh, Weymouth itself. And again, I looked after a lovely little two year old at the doctor's house. And they were very nice, especially, you know, the lady. Um, she treated me as if I was her daughter. But then she had a daughter my age. We became friends. So it was a really good move for you to do that. Yes. Oh, yes. He, he was something totally different. Yeah. And so when did you actually get married then? Well, I came over 48 and got married 1950. So I stayed in Weymouth nearly, well, a year and a half. And towards the end, well, my husband said, if you don't come to Southampton, that'll be the end of us. And so we packed it up. Oh, but man. like everything else, one day you just turn back up again and the romance was all on again. <laughs> and to Southampton then. Oh. Yeah. So was he still in the no, army? No, he, um, he was then in, in his civil, you know, civil work or something. Yeah. What did he do at that point? What work? He worked down the docks. Right, like lots of people in Southampton. Yeah, that's right, yeah. He wasn't a priest at all, he didn't? No. No. <laughs> Nothing. In the morning, I said to him, oh, I'm going to go to church. I'd like to go mm. to church. He said, yes, we go up at half past ten. Took me down to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you get married? In where Southampton, uh, in the registry office. But we got married <laughs> in the church. Um, Ashurst afterwards well oh. a sort of a church yes actually he said he got special permission from the Pope oh yeah to give me a you know another service yeah so you got married in 1950 yeah and is this where you moved to here to Ashurst just outside Southampton I was already in around here yeah, because I used to go to that church. Like, well, I suppose father was interested. I was an Austrian. He used to come to our house and used to say, drink my, um, what was it? The brandy? brandy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he then, you know, sort of said, we get you married in church. Because were uh, you both Catholic? You were Catholic? No, he wasn't. He wasn't no, Catholic. No. 
But um, of course, yeah. then we had children, and it was a case of what church are they going to go to? Well, he is well. He was quite happy to let me go to let them be christened Catholics. Yeah. So yeah. you've got two children. You've got two yeah. boys, haven't you? No, one of each. One of each. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Where are your children now? Uh, my daughter's lives at Ashurst, and my son lives at Hyde. Oh, well, lovely. Nice, nice and local. Yep. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, you're fortunate there. So you moved to Weymouth and then you moved to Southampton, but you've never lived anywhere else in England. No, that's right. You found the best places right yeah. at the start. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got somebody in Wales who thinks that's nice too. Anna, have you got much family left in Austria now? Not a soul. Oh, but your older brothers and your younger sister, did they stay in Austria? Have they not got children and families? Yes, they have. The old, my older brothers. And my younger sister lives also in Southampton now. She followed me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you carried on seeing each other regularly? Yes, yeah. Well, still do, you know. Well, that's really worked out very well then. Yes, it did. How old is your sister, Anna? Um, <laughs> she, she'll be 90 next year. <laughs> That's amazing. It's lovely that, you're, that you live so near one another. Yes, yeah, you're right there. You had a really interesting life, Anna, and you've obviously, it was very different when you were in Austria before the war and yeah. then after the war, oh. you made the decision to move to England. I mean, would you have done anything differently? Do you think, you know, they were the right choices? Well, I think it was the right choice at the time anyway. But sometimes I do think there's nothing like home, you know. Mm. I still think it's a lovely, lovely country where I come from. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, Austria. it's different to English. Yeah, English country. When was the last time you were in Austria, Anna? About three years ago. I took my grandchildren, two of my grandchildren there, to my hometown, yeah. So you wanted them to see where you were Yes, that's up. right, yeah. Yeah, that was a really nice thing to do. Yes, well, yeah, I was able to, I treated them to it, you know. Yeah. I think they enjoyed it. I bet it's changed, Anna, so much. Yeah. Your town. Well, yes, where I used to know there was fields, tall houses. Like everywhere, yes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. In a way, I was disappointed when I saw the big houses there, you know, not so much individual houses as a block of flats. Mm. Yes, yeah. But didn't see that in those days outside outside town. But it was a big tourist hub, as yes, you say, before the war. Is it still a big tourist still, still with is. The thermal? Because it's the lakes and the, yeah, and the thermal and border and all that. And the window skiing, you know. The Gerlitzen, yeah, yeah, it's the night nearest mm. high place, yeah. And had a cable car up there. Yeah. Mm. And did you ski, Anna? Yes, but I was no perfect skier, you know, just for pleasure. Was that quite normal? Everybody just learned to ski? Yes, today? oh yeah. Because it was so yeah, convenient. that's and... right. Like you learned to cycle, Yeah. you know, it was fun. 
skiing. <laughs> but in those days, you had to walk up there. There were no ski lifts. But no, that's right. Yeah. You had to walk up and carry the skis and then ski down once. Yeah. <laughs> and then walk back up again. <laughs> it sounds quite enjoyable, the skiing. What would you say are some of the things that you've enjoyed most in your life so far? Well, I think I'd say home was skiing and swimming i'd like swimming in england as well but in the sea you know but i never went out of my depth i was no. always afraid i wasn't a good enough swimmer but i'd love to swim as long as i knew i was all right when did you last go swimming here in the sea <laughs> a long yeah. time ago now yeah because when my husband wasn't well you know we never went to the seaside you know, i didn't go on my own so I would say 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. I used to love going to Muddyford. My, my mum lives near Muddy, well, in Muddyford, actually. It's lovely. It is yeah. a lovely area. Yeah. Nice beach. Yeah. It was lucky you came to the south coast where you've got a whole load of choices of beaches. Well, we had really. everything. You've got everything mm -hmm. here. You've got the forest and you've yeah. got the sea. Yeah. Don't you? You've landed in the right the place. right place, yes. <laughs> Anna, is there anything in particular that you would say you're most proud of that you've done? As things are in this day and life, to think we've been married nearly 70 years and we had two lovely children, very proud of them, and also some lovely grandchildren that I am proud of. And as you say, to be married and our marriage never, you know, broke up because in after the 50s, lots of people got married, but lots of people got divorced. There was a time where it seemed to be after 25 years, oh, well, yeah, we'll have a change. Mm. Not too bad now, I don't think. But people didn't put up with anything. You know, if something wasn't right, oh, well, go and find somebody else. Wow. Intriguing. And yeah. we've got ours in um, 10 days, yeah, our 40th. Used to be 50, you thought was special, but I think 40 is special because you're still young in that sort of thing. You have a good time to it enough. Once you've had your 50th, well, things do go down a little bit, <laughs> health-wise and that sort of, of thing. Now. It's life. Did you have a special celebration when you had 60 years or did you get a telegram from yeah. the Queen? Yes, yeah. Because yes. even the Queen thinks that's special. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? When you think, yeah, a, that you had each other and that you stayed together. Mm. Look at the Queen's children. Yeah. They all broke up. And yet you think, well, they had everything. They, no financial need for anything, was there? No. But it wasn't just enough happiness. Yes. One thing can I just ask about food? Yeah. When you came over here, did you adapt to the English food or did you carry on looking for Austrian meals? No, I just carried on, you know, cook, trying to cook the English way. Mm. But there was, there used to be a lovely Austrian restaurant in um, Chandler's Ford. Wow. Yeah, we used to go there for every treat, every, every time you could. Because there was, you know, certain things like I don't know if you heard schnitzel yeah. yes oh yes yeah. <laughs> that was something special I mean like you have your roast Sunday roast yes you know a roast you know some sort but well it was roast chicken 
or it was uh, beef roasted pork. with onions, yeah. roast pork, yeah. with garlic and thyme. Yeah. But we never <laughs> had any lamb. Why, why no lamb? Well, I don't know. They kept the lamb for the wool. So it was all old lamb. Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? I've forgotten the Martin? name of it. Yeah. Martin, Martin, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the family that I know in Austria, they were always said at first, can't understand why you're eating that. <laughs> yeah. But we did eat goats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Goats, yeah. I remember when I went on holiday to Austria and I noticed the soup was very different from any soup that I've had here. Yeah. It always had little pieces of pasta and yeah. things in it. I don't it was, know if that uh, was typical. A beef or a chicken broth, it wasn't uh, potage. That would no, be the difference. Yeah, yeah. And every day, either that or vegetables, <laughs> vegetable soup. Yeah. In the summer, lots of vegetables yeah. from the garden. Yeah. Mm. But always proper chicken bone. Yes. Stock. Yeah. Yeah. Proper stock. Yeah. yeah. And the same is with the beef, you know, you have proper. Okay. I know we had soldiers there, and um, like my friends, she married a soldier, and he said, it's like eating the, uh, um, like the newspaper. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, it's clear soup with a bit of spaghetti sort of thing in it or some kind of... Or rice. Or... Yeah, rice. Or little miniature dumplings we had in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really remember it being just so different from yeah. what we'd ever had here. Yeah. So what things did you enjoy doing outside of your family? Once the children were grown up, perhaps? Well, we used to travel a lot. I mean, I mean, I think my husband loved traveling. He loved driving. And I think we've been to just, I thought I haven't been to Hungary or Romania or Czechoslovakia, but I think we've been, you name it, we've been everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you couldn't drive, well, we flew there. We always had lovely holidays. And you did that with the children or you did that after the children had left? Well, after the children had left, yeah, more or less. We still had nice holidays. Well, to begin with, like everything else, we weren't that well off. He used to go camping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He went camping in Italy, right alongside the sea. Enjoyed that. You sound like you've lived a very full and happy life, Anna. Yes, I think I have. I've, I look and I think you say, well, I lived a decent life, as you should be left, you know. Definitely. Thank you very much indeed. It's a right pleasure. I'm bored you. That's not what I'm no, thinking no. Of. not at all. No, fascinating to li to listen to your stories. Yeah, good. Thank you, Anna. Anna didn't find it easy talking about the war with us, which makes us all the more grateful that she chose to share her stories with us. As always, thank you to you, our listeners, and we hope you'll be joining us next time when we talk to. Emma Saysells, the founder of Spectrum of Misconception. We all have misconceptions, so if you're wondering what exactly that is, tune in in two weeks' time. Once again, thank you for listening and take care.
I really do wish that I recorded some of my mum's and especially my Oma's stories. It really was not easy for her bringing up four children during the war in Holland. <laughs>